Hello and welcome again to Season 1 of the Birmingham Super Prix Podcast, sponsored by Team Pogwit. I'm Jake Sanson and we're looking back at the legendary Birmingham Super Prix event, what made it so special and why we're yearning to do it all over again. We'd like to send a very big thanks to Adam Crawton for his fan sponsorship of this episode, where we'll be talking to a man who got closer to the action than many of us can even dream of. As a motorsport photographer chronicling the event, and with an all-access pass to the entire weekend for five years on the bounce, not many people can give us quite so detailed and intimate an insight as this born-and-bred brummy boy, and he has contributed many of his treasured moments to the Birmingham Super Prix archive. It is, of course, John Kluwer. Well, John, a massive thank you for talking to us uh, about the Birmingham Super Prix. Obviously, something that's still very dear to your heart, as it is so many of us. What are your earliest memories of the Birmingham Super Prix? What stands out in your memory? I guess the first time I really got to got to grips with the idea of the thing was probably, but I think the the first thing was probably the, the Lucas King of the Streets event, which was back in October 1980. Uh, I remember going to that. I remember the program, um, and then four years later, obviously it was the Jacobi, the classic, uh, and I uh, found a home in the multi-story car park, somewhere <laughs> which would then become a favourite location um, over future years of the events. Well, uh, it's been a fantastic career that you've had in the world of motorsport photography. I mean, you've done all sorts of different events, uh, not just the Birmingham Super Prix, of course, but mm. it's one that holds special resonance for you how did you get involved and how much sort of access were you actually able to get trackside um towards the end the last i think the last event i was one of the very very few people who actually uh, got what i guess you in in uh, music terms would probably be called the uh, triple a pass <laughs> sort of like access all areas um i was lucky enough obviously to get trackside uh, which i did for the four years i photographed it um for the council uh, I was also that one year lucky enough to get um, pit clearance and uh, onto the grid and also got some shots at the uh, the post-event uh, press talk, obviously, which is done for all FIA events. Well, did you know at the time that things were coming around, you know, how unique the position is of somebody like yourself being, you know, so centrifugal to the way that the race is actually playing out, you know, the importance of putting it down onto canvas. I mean, how important was that when you've got all of these incredible shots that stand Uh, the test of time? Yeah. I mean, the actual shooting the pictures, I guess was just another day at the office kind of thing, albeit it was close to home and it was easier to get to. Um, In those days I was doing lots of, um, lots of events for different magazines in the UK. Um, I used to do stuff occasionally for autosport, did a lot of stuff for motoring news, um, did rally stuff for rally sport. Uh, and such like so it was it was just one of those events but obviously it was special it was my hometown um and i knew people who who had worked on it ever since day one uh some friends of mine had worked obviously on the track i'd got recollections of uh of us doing work down at the bristol street junction with the middle way where we, all the mm. traffic signals obviously had to be moved and uh, all that kind of stuff and one of the funniest stories i guess is some of the guys who were actually relaying the uh, the track surface uh, being told that despite the fact that laying several manhole covers was absolutely fantastic, it just wouldn't cut the mustard for a Formula 3000 car and would likely take the bottom end of a Formula 3000 car. So um, I'm sorry, guys, can you uh, 
please do that again. <laughs> Imagine with road workers doesn't necessarily go down particularly well and you get a choice response. Fantastic. I mean, there, there are so many things that we could talk about, about, you know, that period of time from 86 to 90, because there was so much hive of activity surrounding the event. It was already gaining massive traction. There were rumours going around at the time that Bernie Ecclestone wanted to get behind the event and bring Formula One there. I mean, what must it have been like being involved in all of that, un, you know, that unusual air of expectation around something so new and so unique? It was really good. I mean, just wandering around and getting the feedback from people. Um, after the first year when it was a complete and utter monsoon, um, obviously then I got involved from years two onwards. Uh, it was the build-up. Uh, I was lucky enough to know Dave very, very well. Um, we travelled together to different events, met different people, um, and really got sort of kind of sucked into that side of it. Uh, but it was great just seeing the action, seeing the whole thing built and then dismantled every year. And I think it was so sad at the end of it that when we walked away on that, that last Sunday evening, sorry, last Monday evening, that I don't think any of us realised that that was going to be it. We'd never be do, never actually be doing this again. It was quite a thing to take, I guess, in the end when you look back on it. And of course, you're there doing all sorts of motor racing events. And obviously nowadays, I think it's fair to say that motorsport photography is not an easy business, but it's certainly one that's made easier by digital technology. But when you were there documenting all of these fantastic pieces of work, I mean, they are artworks now to the motorsport community. Not a lot of people realise just how difficult it was to get everything down. I mean, how, how stressful must those weekends have been? You got used to it. Um, you just experienced, you got used to the different exposures and such like. But yeah, um, autofocus, I think, in those days was probably in its infancy. Mm. Obviously, digital wasn't around. You shot pictures on film. You shot pictures on transparencies. It was several days before you actually saw what you'd captured, whether you'd actually got the lighting right, whether your shadows were in the wrong places, uh, and what you'd actually got. Was it blurred? Um or was it a sharp picture? You just, you, at that time, you just didn't know. You, you got the inkling that, yeah, that's a good one. I'll take a few more like that. But um, very, very different now when you can just take a snap on your phone and, and, and look at it mm -hmm. and see what the quality is like. Um, very, very different. And likewise, where we used to stand, how the track was built uh, back in those days, I don't think that would uh, that would stand up these days. Health and safety would have a nightmare. Yeah. There's one particular event I can remember being down at the uh, what was finally to be called Cavendish Corner, mm. down on the corner of Bromsgrove Street and Pershall Street, where I was bending down behind a crash barrier, uh, changing a roll of film. Heard a thump, thought nothing more of it. Got back to my uh, standing height, and there was a Formula 3000 car just uh, just kissed the barrier, and there's a driver about five foot away from me looking to uh, engage first gear to pull away again. Uh, yeah, crazy times. Goodness me. I mean, and th the thing as well is that a lot of people don't realize about motorsport photography, and it's something I notice a lot in my job, that you do build relationships with the people that you're taking pictures of. You know, you do actually build a bit of a rapport with certain drivers. Were there any particular competitors over those Birmingham Super Prix events that your pictures really struck a chord with? Possibly Mike Jordan, I guess, from the from the Porsche races. Mm. Uh, Mike was a local guy, local Birmingham guy, very successful Porsche racer. I used to see him around at a lot of events. Uh, eventually, put a private entry into uh, British touring cars, um, 
And when I was doing stuff with the Birmingham Post, he was one of the guys we used to cover. As far as the the Formula 3000 guys and, and such like, we only saw those once or twice a year. So probably not with that side of it. Was there anybody in particular having the vantage point that you got to see uh, trackside? Were there any particular drivers from the F3000 race that really stood out to you as people who really handled the circuit well, who really dazzled you at the time from your vantage point? I think John Lacey probably was one of the ones that one year when we had all the uh, all the, all the guys who uh, eventually turned up in F1 mm. um, a couple of years later. That was probably uh, a pretty highlight of of the time at, at Birmingham. And obviously, you know, all of these memories are being brought back now, thanks to, you know, the Birmingham Super Pre project. Most of your work is there on the social media channels. What does that do to kind of look back over the stuff that you have created around an event? Because it's more than just pictures for an event. It's a snapshot into history. That's right. It is. You look back now and the roads of some of the roads have changed. Uh, some of the buildings have changed, obviously. Uh, there's a lot more going on around there. Yet some of it is still the same. I wandered back um, last summer, had a look at the, certainly the old part of the track around by the markets. The markets are no longer there. Um, the road's been slightly realigned, but the, the, the sockets are still there for the uh, for the old crash barriers. That's astonishing. I mean, I, I've, I've done like you, you know, I've gone back there and had a look over it and walked the circuit and it does... It does baffle me to a certain degree just how much of the DNA of the racetrack still sort of exists. You have to really look for it, but you do kind of see it still there. And it's almost as if, you know, with the right people behind it, with the right passion, you could almost breathe new life to it and resurrect it. I'm guessing, you know, you'd be straight back on a train up to Birmingham if that was the opportunity. Oh yeah, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to go and photograph cars back in Birmingham again, even if it was only the um, going back to a uh, a speed on the streets type thing, rather than a full blown uh, a full blown mm. race. And obviously, we're starting to get back to that sort of ethos as well with the Coventry Speed Fest. That's kind of started to ignite people's interest in it. I mean, you're based in Devon these days. Do you think that there is anywhere in this country, realistically, and you know, logistically, that could do anything to the scale of what Birmingham managed with the Super Pre. Do you think that's still possible? Maybe, but you need a lot of space. You look at uh, you look at how much space is around in Birmingham, the size of the roads there, how far back the buildings are laid back. Certainly on the main part, when you go up and up and down to uh, past the mosque, up to the island, and and, and back again, uh, that's a huge piece of carriageway. Um, it's much smaller when you go around the back streets through Chinatown and such like. Um, Anywhere we'd need some serious infrastructure and, and work to to move street furniture and shots like our local mayor uh, a few years ago was was very keen on trying to run something in in, uh, in Torbay in Torquay but uh, our roads are very very narrow you could maybe do a parade and such like uh, or even maybe uh, a sprint in some places but to, to run a full blown uh, circuit event is, is very very difficult even as I say these days having uh, having the requirements of health and safety and runoff areas and, and, and such like it's uh, it's a big ask and that's the thing I mean you, you've done so many different motorsport events at so many different levels of the category you mean you've done Grand Prix racing you've obviously done the Super Prix but then you've done races up and down the length and breadth of the country at different levels and disciplines of the sport so someone with your knowledge and expertise of photographing these events i mean you get access to all sorts of different motorsport venues just how much 
realistically would have to go into even resurrecting Birmingham? I mean, is the logistical challenge still viable in the 21st century? I think it'd be very expensive. Um, and I think that's when you look at a lot of events these days, small to, uh, you know, to large, it's the logistical cost of actually trying to put something together mm. uh, and the leading. It's very difficult, certainly on public streets as well. Um, 30 years ago, I think people were, uh, were less into complaining. Um, <laughs> I think these days you've got social media and such like you, uh, things only change and all of a sudden you, uh, you know, there's a, there may be a social media backlash against any, against any change. I'm sure in a way you get a 50, 50 split with so many people for it, uh, from diff- for different reasons. Yeah. I mean, I, I spoke to, uh, Simon Taylor about this and one of the things that he thought was really special about the Birmingham Super Prix was the ability to bring motor racing to people rather than getting people to go to the race events. Do you think that is essentially how to win people over? You bring these people the sport uh, and and they will engage with it. Is that what made Birmingham Super Prix so special? Yeah, I think so. And I think these days as well, you could you could do that even more. Um, obviously, you've got the uh, the social media bubble there with, uh, with the old Super Prix project, which is great. People are people are talking about it. There are people now who who weren't born when the last race ran who would love to see something like that. They only see uh, Grand Prix racing on the television. Um, to have something actually in your own city, uh, even if it wasn't uh, Grand Prix racing, if it was um, like Formula E or something like that, would be uh, would be fantastic for the city, fantastic for the area, and would without a doubt pull people in. So I'm going to ask uh, some of the questions that the fans have uh, given us uh, to really get our teeth into. Uh, Simon Brooks would like to know, what was your favourite vantage point for taking photos? You've mentioned some of the particular corners on the circuit, but where was really good? Where was where was guaranteed to give you a good shot? Anywhere around the uh, Pershall Street, Bromsgrove Street junction, I thought was great. Um, there are many many places around tracks where you can go, but a street circuit is just different. Um, you've got you've got places like Monaco, Pau, Macau, none of which I've been to, but you get close at those when you when you see the photographs. But that car park gave you the rare chance to actually shoot down into the cars, into the cockpits of the cars, and over the drivers' shoulders. It gave you a completely different perspective. Um, I went there the first year because it was dry. I mean, the weather forecast for the race day was horrendous. Mm. Um, and anybody who was out and about around the track, I'd take my hat off to them <laughs> because if they got pictures from that day, you know, they deserve them. We stood up in that, uh, in that car park, listened to Brian Jones doing his, uh, doing his talking oh. first, seemingly hour after hour after hour. I think he even read the, the mayor's notes and speech out probably in that, uh, in that time when he was filling it. But once the, uh, once the race started... And those those rooster tails of uh, of spray came up from the back of the cars for the first time. It was definitely one of those uh, hairs on the back of the neck things. Thinking, wow, you know, this is my hometown. This is actually happening. And God, I'm going to get some great photographs from here. Mm. I mean, that's a special treat for any motorsport fan. The voice of Brian Jones. That's how I got started in this industry. My first year in Brit Car 
learning from Brian. I mean, oh my mm. goodness, what what an education. Um, let's have a, a, a question from Samuel Razul. He wants to know, was there anything in particular that was special about the Birmingham Super Prix circuit to shoot? I'm guessing, obviously, not just that it's a, a city street circuit, but being Birmingham, there must have been a couple of elements to it that just had a unique flavour that you couldn't find anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not often you can get a, a photograph of a mosque in a in a race picture. Very likewise, true. Like, likewise, down at the other end, you got the uh, occasionally if you were lucky, you get a couple of policemen standing outside the police station down at um, down at the Pershall Road junction on the on the island. That fast right left through there, they come out and they'd be probably standing in there with their helmets on or in uniform with a cup of tea and, and watching what was going on. Um, all the all the cranes at some of the uh, at some of the locations, I think around Bristol Street Junction, uh, there are a lot of big, big cranes. And obviously, if you can capture those, you've also got all the uh, mm. all the tower blocks. Um, that was definitely Birmingham. Looking back up the um, the main start finish straight, you got uh, the sign writing for Bristol Street Motor Showroom. Mm. Uh, yeah, that was special. That was that was that was obviously Birmingham. Things like that were the things you tried to capture, not just the cars, but also where you could actually tag your picture and say, "Yeah, that's 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 Birmingham." That. That's my hometown. Yeah, that kind of relates to the next question, actually. Uh, Adam Crawton uh, wanted to know, uh, were you always trying to get the best shot with an iconic city landmark from Birmingham behind it? Or was it all about the actual race car in the frame? I mean, from what you're saying, the way I interpret it, it's it, it's kind of like a natural blend of taking what image comes at you as it approaches you in the shot. Yeah, I'll go with that. Um some of the stuff you might want to crop it really, really closely uh, and try and get that, you know, how close that, that car skimming that barrier. Or is, is that wheel of that car, you know, off the deck? Is it, is there a lumpy, bumpy bit there, which I'm sure there was one coming off the, uh, off the roundabout at Halfords where you could probably get uh, a bit of air under one of the front wheels of the, uh, of the car as they came around the island. Um, but in other places, it was, well, you know, this is iconic, like with the, um, the 6R4 race uh, I think uh, I think Austin had got loads and loads of spectators yeah. uh, in that top grandstand uh, so to get the 6R4s going around there was uh, was special with all those people in and likewise with Russ where the year Russ Swift came around with the um, with the Montego uh, and put Montego up on two wheels um, and, and went up there with the flag uh, sticking out the top of the car uh, that was special I mean, I've heard all sorts of stories about the Birmingham Super Prix over the years, about, you know, people crossing the road at a particular point and then realising a few seconds later a car is flashing past them at 120 miles an hour during practice or whatever. I mean, it, you hear all sorts of things like this. And even now, you know, these stories resonate with people because it's like, well, this is there's, there's nothing like this anywhere in the United Kingdom. I mean... Is there, looking back on it, is there something you wish you had done over the course of the weekends? Was there somewhere you wanted to be around the circuit? Because I know as a commentator, there's always something, you know, every everywhere I go to a racetrack, I always miss something. There's always something I miss. W- w- is there a black spot in the circuit that, you know, if, if you could turn back the time, you want to go and experience again? Yeah, probably. I mean, it's only really occurred to me the uh, the other week when I was uh, looking at some, some notes and some pictures, um, I don't think I ever went to the uh, the old wholesale markets, which is obviously with the support race pits. Yeah, uh, never got down there. Don't know why, but but never got there. But always for some reason, always ended up on the Sunday night, being the furthest part away from uh, from the pits. 
so it was an awfully long walk home from uh, from Halfords all the way down the hill past the mosque, down to the um, down the Tech College, and uh, and then Bristol Street and home. Always managed to do that for some reason. Don't know why. We're going to finish with a question from Simon Bill. You've touched on this a little bit, I suppose, but he wants to know, I guess specifically, what was your best memory of the weekends? Now, I think you and I are kind of kindred souls in the sense that when you do a big FIA weekend, having that incredible all-access pass. I mean, I did it for Silverstone last year when I worked for Formula One, and it it it, it gives you the golden ticket to coin Roll Dahl. You know, it, mm. it, it's it's that opportunity to be somewhere that only a select couple of hundred people in the world get to be. I mean, that must have been something to really treasure and that's that that's going to stay with you forever isn't it yeah i mean i was there were a couple of events like that i was the uh the brands hatch ones uh we always used to go down that was obviously the week before uh used to get uh good access for brands hatch uh, and do that and get out on the grid um uh, and yes when you really get some really great great photographs and really really nice sort of portraits um I think that's in the collection somewhere. The, we, we, we've got James Hunt, uh, Nigel Mansell, uh, Jackie Stewart. Um, I think those are uh, those are all digitised now, and they were they were good times to see these guys out, you know, hometown, talking with the drivers. You've got Damon uh, was obviously there at that time, mm. uh, plus the plus some of the others who made it through the Formula One and, and became uh, real household names. Now you talk about the expense to put an event like this on but i mean that that is of course one element of it i'm assuming as well the way to really get things done is the sort of not just the power of the people going to the event but the people who could be involved in the event now i've been watching on covid19 through lockdown how the formula one drivers and the indycar drivers have been engaging with esports and you know really tagged into social media i guess it's these personalities that really need to sort of drive an event like this i mean if you were to say get on board with people like damon like mark blundell like nigel mansell who were there back in the day know what it can be and know what it could be again if you rallied these chaps forward, you know, do you can can you envisage? Can you see that there is the potential and the desire to get this going again? I think from that side of it, from the from the industry side, yeah, I think there would be uh, the uh, the drive to, to maybe do it because it's a big industry. Uh, however, from the other side of it, um, do people go with disruption these days? I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> would the would the polit- would the politicians uh, be be there alongside backing it? Um, you've got the cell, obviously with Coventry. They've got the uh, their speed event or their motor uh, event. Mm. Uh, that must have support from the local politicians. Uh, that is always a big thing. I mean, I've, that, that is that is one of the things I've come across and and uh, I've had to uh, to work with when uh, in, in my current job um, with events. It's a it's a difficult one to to go with. You will find some people will obviously go with it and don't mind disruption because of it's uh, it's going to bring people into a town or into a city. Um, but others are um, are looking at things maybe with a, a slightly different pair of, uh, of glasses on, so to speak. Oh, surely all it takes is to put Boris Johnson in a British touring car for a couple of laps and he'll absolutely love it. 
Or is it not quite? As, or is it not quite as easy as that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure that would be good. I'm sure Bojo would like that. <laughs> well, look, it's it's great to talk to you, John. You have a, a really unique perspective on things, and I do think you know people in your position as motorsport photographers do have quite an important mouthpiece to bring to these sort of discussions. So it, it's great to hear your take on it, and you know I hope that this is something that you know, if we can resurrect the race, if it can be brought back, then you are one of the people who'll be first in line to get one of those beautiful passes. That'd be great again. It's been a long time since I've, uh, I've worked the circuit, but uh, I'd, uh, I'd certainly take a guest appearance and, uh, uh, and given a chance to uh, take some more pictures up there. It'd be great. Fantastic. John Clear, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. A massive thank you to John Cluer and, of course, to you for joining us. And if you want to learn more about the project, check out our archive of images, footage and data on the race, or just take a stroll down memory lane. Then please find us on Instagram at Birmingham underscore Superprix, at Facebook.com forward slash the Birmingham Superprix, or on Twitter at Superprix Film. I'm Jake Sanson. See you next time. For official Birmingham Super Prix project merchandise, visit etsy.com forward slash UK forward slash shop forward slash Birmingham Super Prix.